But to be salt and light, we must make contact with the dark and decaying world that God so loves. Hello, you're listening to the Greek to Me podcast, a daily discovery of the New Testament scriptures one word at a time. We hope today's podcast helps you better understand and appreciate God's word. Hi, today's word is cosmos. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The word cosmos means world or universe. It also is used in the Bible to speak of the inhabitants of the world. Interestingly, cosmos has this connotation of order, beauty, or adornment, which explains where we get the word cosmetic. But as far as the Bible refers to it, the world is anything but beautiful or in order. In fact, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus says in no uncertain terms how opposed this world is to our faith and to the people of God. In John 17, starting in verse 14, Jesus prays to the Father about his disciples, saying, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. But this was not how things were supposed to be. It was created good, the world was, and it was inherently good. It lacked nothing. It had order and beauty. But sin has broken it, and God's good world has been in the hands of our enemy, the devil, ever since, referred to in the scriptures as the prince of the power of the air. God will one day destroy this sin-sick universe and recreate the heavens and the earth with eternity in mind, but until that glorious day, the cosmos, as we know it, is marked by sin, it's marred by sin, rebellion, selfishness, hatred, idolatry, and fear. And it's these influences that James has in mind when he warns against being, quote, stained by the world in James 1.27. But God has not left our world and its sinful inhabitants to themselves, helplessly awaiting its fiery judgment at the end. Far from it. He did what was necessary to offer forgiveness and salvation, which was this. He entered our sinful world, taking the form of sinful man, being, of course, sinless himself. And 1 Timothy 1.15 tells us that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And as John writes in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I recognize that John 3.16 is among, if not the most familiar passage in all the Bible, but Christian, I beg you, don't get used to these six words. For God so loved the world. 
In Mark's version of the Great Commission, in Mark 16, 15, Jesus tells his disciples to, quote, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Clearly, we do this out of an obedience to God and also out of love for the lost. So just so we're on the same page, we are born into sin and are a part of the sinful world. Then we are saved and called out of the world and and to live differently from the world and commanded not to love the world. And then finally, we are sent back into this sinful world in order to engage with the sinful inhabitants of the world so that we can share the gospel so that they might be as we are. Here we see the distinction in Scripture that it consists of hating the evil system of the world, this corrupt, sin-stained world, while loving the people under the curse of sin who live in this world, just as we once were, having the same pity on them that God has had on us whenever we were sinners. After all, as Paul reminds us in Romans 5, it was not when we were good and morally beautiful and had spiritual adornment that Jesus died for us, but it was while we were sinners living like the world in the world that Christ died for us. And so it begs the question, how far are we willing to go into someone else's world to bring them the truth of eternal life in a way that they can understand and appreciate? I think about monasteries and cloisters designed as fortresses of isolation from the world and its sinful influence. The Christian, the church, was never called to this. We were called to go into the world despite even the temptation of sin. To go into the world despite the risk of being influenced by the darkness more than perhaps we were an influence ourselves of salt and light. But to be salt and light, we must make contact with a dark and decaying world that God so loves. Also that they may know the hope of God's new world in eternity, which will one day be marked by perfect order, matchless beauty, and it will be finally and forever Very good.